Hello and welcome to Academic Animals' new series of podcasts. This is your host and author, Roger Farr. If you're looking for sweet animal stories like in Watership Down or Babe, then you have the wrong podcast. This series is about my life working as an animal trainer in the film industry. Enjoy the experience. It was early spring in 1988. I'd sold everything I owned in England and emigrated to Belgium with all of my animals. Quickly, I had to build or convert existing accommodation into kennels, a stable, and create some kind of temporary cattery. With many boxes of belongings stacked high in each room, I didn't know where to start with the work. I had sold everything I had, but I was broke. I was broke because I'd spent all the money on my new house and all its grounds. Financially, it would appear that I was completely broke. I certainly had a cash flow problem. With such a large property and all these animals and the normal day-to-day living expenses, I was concerned as to how I was going to survive. I knew it was a big gamble. One way to save money or to relieve the struggle of paying for things was to grow my own food. I created an enormous vegetable plot. It looked like a runway for an aeroplane right outside the front of the house. There was already a small vegetable plot to the side of the house and an old glass house with a few vegetables the previous owner had started. I made it my priority to get seeds in the ground and I remember starting really, really early in the mornings as the sun came up to start digging, raking and planting all the different seeds I could get. I went to the local market and bought four or five chickens with the intention of having eggs on a regular basis. I've never done gardening before but I'd see my granddad put a line or a string across his plot to grow onions and garlic. That was about the only schooling I'd had. I remember one really hot afternoon the sun was beating down and I was sweating away in the garden when I was called up to the house to speak to somebody on the phone who was asking if we could help them with a film project. To my surprise it was an Englishman. He seemed very friendly and said that he had moved to live in Belgium and was actually living in Brussels and started his own film production company and he was so pleased to hear that an English animal trainer had also moved so close to Brussels. He said it would make his life much easier when requiring animals. He then told me about a current project that he had for Pioneer Car Radios and he needed a chameleon. The script needed this chameleon to walk into shot and stop on top of a car radio. The chameleon had to change colour instantly on command to a specific colour or shade of orange. Everything would be done with lighting effects and so on. He planned to do everything in one day and the chameleon would only be required for one or two hours. Everything was supposed to be simple tabletop filming. Could I help him? Could I achieve this action? I was so pleased that I got a job inquiry come in without any advertising and I didn't even know that anybody knew I was even in the country. So I was extremely happy to receive this call and look forward very much to taking this further. I told him that I believe I could do it if I can find the chameleon. I don't know what the rules are with the chameleons. I hadn't dealt with them before and I'd handled them in England, but I haven't actually bought them in another country. And in those days, the rules and everything else involving paperwork was so different. We should consider there were borders and customs officers inspecting the papers at every border crossing. This meant a lot of paperwork. A simple drive to our favourite supermarket just 25 minutes away involved crossing the Dutch border. OK, he said, do your homework, see what you can come up with and get back to me. I did exactly that. I drove into our nearest big town. It was a large town called Liège. And quite frankly, it was easy to find chameleons. 
I found three really good-sized beauties. I took these chameleons home and released them into my television room. It's not good for chameleons to be in a fine cage or in any way restricted. This gives them a lot of room. In my television room, they're free to do as they please, providing we're very careful when entering the room and leaving the room, and indeed when we sit down. It was quite a secure and safe place for them. I telephoned the guy and told him that we'd found these chameleons in the nearest town to me. He asked if he could come over to my house that afternoon and see the chameleon. I said I'd be delighted. Round three o'clock? That afternoon he arrived, three o'clock. He came with his girlfriend or wife, I'm not sure who she was. Maybe a work colleague. They introduced themselves as Philip and Linda. I invited them in, took them through the house and onto the veranda, sitting there overlooking the grounds, sharing a glass of wine. We all sat and chatted. It was all very polite and businesslike to start with, exchanging pleasantries and so on. But then it slowly became as if we were old friends. At this point, everything was extremely friendly and it seemed like he was an old mate coming to visit. We talked about and exchanged experiences moving and living to Belgium and shared our different stories. Philip asked if he could see the chameleons so I brought them out one at a time and showed him. He thought they were amazing. They were quite impressive. They were very big. I'd never actually seen chameleons this big. I'd seen them half the size but these were impressive. He then asked if we could do a little test in the garden, which meant that I had to bring out an enormous dining table, carry it all the way round the house to get it onto the garden, the grass area, find it, get it level, and then find some kind of box or something to resemble a car radio, and then run through the shots how we would do it on the day in the studio. It looked so simple and straightforward all the time. Philip was continually videoing the action of the comedian. OK, this'll be great, he said. If he does this in the studio, it will be amazing. Can you come on Monday to the studio in the middle of the morning sometime and we'll have some lunch? And then immediately after lunch, we'll start with a chameleon. We only need it for about an hour or two maximum. Brilliant, I thought. This simple little project would pay towards our costs of living bills. During our preamble, Philip mentioned several times wine. It seemed he was a bit of a connoisseur. I told him how I used to make wine back in England, hundreds of bottles at a time, crushing the grapes. I'm making giant vats of wine every year, every September, I told him. He was very enthusiastic when hearing this, which led me to telling him about some very special wine, some very expensive wine that I'd found under the house in the wine cellar when we moved in. I said, I'll get you a bottle. And we opened it. And it was the first time I had tasted such quality wine. When they left, I was really looking forward to Monday, and I thought I had found a new friend. He is in the film business. He's a wine enthusiast. It seemed we have a lot in common. At this early stage, I had no staff to help me and take care of all the animals. I would have to do all the little jobs before I leave on Monday morning. I'd have to clean and feed all the animals and so on. Brussels was about an hour away, so I'll have to start early, reasonably early anyway, and I thought I'd be back before dark, I could finish feeding any animals and doing any cleaning that need doing when I return. Everything started as planned. When I arrived in Brussels, friendly greetings all round, looking around the studio, meeting the crew, and then taken outside to a little restaurant for lunch. At this point, they were spoiling me. After lunch, I waited and waited and waited, and I began to get worried when I'd been waiting for several hours. Linda said to me there's some kind of technical problem. She apologised for any delay. To cut a long story short... It was well past midnight by now, 
1.30, I think it was, when Linda came over to me and said, I'm really, really sorry for keeping you here so long and not filming. We have to resume tomorrow. Can you be here at 8.30? Surprised? Disappointed? Yeah, I felt all those emotions. Okay, I said. I packed up the chameleons and headed for home. By the time I got home, it was obviously very dark. I had animals that had been waiting for their food. They needed to be fed and watered, so I had to carry water across fields in the dark. Some kennels also needed to be cleaned up and hosed down. I did all this with a torch strapped to my head. It was 3.30 by the time I got to bed. I knew I would have to be up early in the morning to get to Brussels by 8.30. I had an hour's journey ahead of me, and it would take me at least an hour to feed all the animals before I could go. So I had to start at least 6 o'clock or 6.30 that day. Arriving at the studio, the table was set up for the car radio, and I thought we were ready to go. Or should I say, the chameleon was ready to go. However, there were lighting problems, or as they kept putting it, technical problems. They spent hours and hours trying to correct this and running their tests, and they did eventually do a film with the chameleon that went very well. But unfortunately, it was only a test, and technically it wasn't working for them. So I now find myself back in the same position I was in earlier, just waiting. One of the problems was the lighting was too hot, and so actually it was actually melting and distorting the radio itself. And you could see it on the camera, melting and blistering. It was bubbling and distorting, or, want of a better word, it was moving. Naturally, of course, it would be too hot for any chameleon or anyone to touch it, let alone walk and stop on it. Now they have to order, or buy, or arrange to have delivered from the manufacturers a new radio. But now a new problem arises. Because it's the latest radio from the Pioneer range, there wasn't one available anywhere in Europe. They had to arrange to have one sent from Japan. Now would you believe it? We had to wait around for it to arrive. Meanwhile doing test after test after test for this lighting. The chameleon wasn't used once on the Tuesday. In fact, we were still there again till past midnight, going into Wednesday morning at one o'clock before we went home. As I left, I was asked if I could be back in the morning, ready to shoot at eight o'clock, because they would like an early start. But for me, it's the same procedure, getting home in the dark with all the animals to feed and clean and running around while you have a torch strapped to your head. Again, getting to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and again having to be up at 5.30 to be in the studio at 8 o'clock a little earlier. I kept telling myself this was a one-hour job. It's turning into several days' work, which of course will mean more money. Linda made it clear to me during the waiting around and told me, just send us the bill, don't worry, just send us the bill. Count the hours, send us the bill. So I wasn't worried at this point. Unfortunately, today turned out to be exactly the same as yesterday. For some reason, the car radio was held up at customs so they couldn't film without it. But we had to be there all the time, just in case. Will it never come? Yet again, I waited until past midnight. They've done so many tests by now and actually filmed the test without the correct lighting and without the chameleon. Linda was trying to convince everybody that when the radio does arrive, and that could be any minute, it'll take just a few minutes to complete this project because everything was ready and they've practiced so many times. They just have to press the record button on the camera. But that wasn't true. Thursday 10 turned out to be exactly the same as Tuesday and Wednesday, just waiting around with nothing to do. They could easily have sent me home and said, OK, we'll call you when it's here. But no, they wanted me there, just in case. 
It was important because while they're waiting for me to drive in that one hour, they would have to pay the whole crew to be waiting for me to arrive. That's how they justified calling me in every day. Thursday turned out to be exactly the same, waiting around right through until 1 o'clock or 1.30 in the morning before they released me, having done nothing all day but wait. Now it's Friday morning and I've been in the studio for a whole week waiting for a car radio to arrive. And again this morning I left the house at 6 o'clock after feeding all the animals, doing my chores, walking across fields with a torch strapped to my head and filling up water troughs and so on and so on and so on. You've heard it all before. When I arrived, Linda assured me that the radio would arrive that morning. The custom clearance has been sorted. It's just a matter now of when it arrives, popping the chameleon in front of the camera, he walks it onto the radio and we're done. It'll only be and take a few minutes, you know, less than an hour and we're finished. I was assured of this time after time. Well, the radio didn't arrive until late afternoon and even then we couldn't get things right. It was very late in the evening. I think it was close to midnight or maybe just after when we finally got something on film. It was then Linda called everybody over to make an announcement. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence, but Philip was high up on a platform, uh, like scaffolding, a stage or whatever you want to call it. But he was high up above everybody else and Linda stood in front of the platform. Everybody was on the ground and she was giving them the news that was to come. Philip was lying on his platform almost as though he was going to have a heart attack and looking quite ill. Linda announced that unfortunately they've got no money and so we won't be getting paid. What could you say, I thought. I just turned and left, thinking, we've all been had. I've been had by an Englishman, my first client, after moving to live and work on the continent. He pretended to be my friend. If he had come to me and said, look, we're in trouble financially, this is breaking the company, you know, with the cost of waiting for this radio, it's too much, I think I could have helped in some way. Well, I don't think, I know, I know I would have tried to help. But it hurts when you know someone has deliberately deceived you to get work out of you, knowing full well they cannot pay you. I left feeling cheated. I think Philip laying on the platform looking as though he was having a heart attack was all part of a ploy to make people feel sorry for him and that nobody's going to punch his lights out. To be honest, that's what the grips and electricians could quite easily do. And I wondered if they'd get him paid by Linda. She did say she doesn't have any money, so I presume nobody got paid. I know I certainly didn't. Some time later, the commercial came out and it was seen on TV. It was nothing spectacular or exceptional. It was overall a nice commercial. However, it hurt me every time to watch it, thinking I'd been shortchanged or cheated or ripped off. Call it what you will. Some weeks following this project, all behind us and forgotten, I got a phone call from Linda. I was very surprised. She was in the process of making a commercial for a supermarket chain. I think she was the producer. Yeah, I'm sure that's what she said. I asked her about Philip. Is he involved? And is he well? Because the last time we spoke, she told me he had had a heart attack and he, didn't, he wasn't well at all. It looked like he might be dying on the platform in the studio, I said. She said, oh, Philip's gone walkabout. What that's supposed to mean, I don't know. Have they split up? Has he left her? I don't know. I never said any more and I treated this call just like any other project. She needed a little dog, nothing tricky, nothing difficult, but she needed a little dog to walk on a lead with a child coming out of a supermarket. 
I can't remember all the action for the dog at this moment, but it was a friendly little thing, I remember, and the clients had specifically asked for this dog by name and had fallen in love with this dog, and that's what's important with this next bit. The client had fallen in love with a dog because they had seen it before and they wanted me and the dog. That's why Linda called me. She had no option because they wanted that dog. We agreed a price. She said it's just a one morning shoot. Did I believe her? I don't think so. I told her I don't do half days or out by the hour anymore because what do you do for the rest of the day? Oh, okay, she said, no problem. On the day of shooting, I stood by the dog and I waited until the last moment. It was then I asked Linda if I could have a quiet word with her. Yeah, sure, she said, and we went and stood in the corner. I said, I want to be paid for the job you didn't pay me for, the one-hour job, the one that took a whole week of 20-hour days. I'm not going to do anything here until I've got the cash in my hand. I want payment, not for the hour, but for the whole week of long days and the night work. She was stunned. I knew I had a gun to her head, and she knew it too. I said, I'm not taking the dog on set until you've paid me. And by the way, I've heard Philip is involved with this project, and you are back together. Stop playing games with me, and pay what you owe me, and I'll take the dog on the set. I waited 20 minutes, and the money arrived. Thank you very much, Linda. Now I'm going home. What? She was stunned. What about this job? I said, Linda... You've got such a bad reputation for paying and you've ripped me off once and you were about to do it again. The only way I can work for you is if you pay me in advance. So if you want me to do this job today, then you must pay me now. She looked pretty sick. I said only then will I bring the dog on set. Actually, I did take the dog on set because there was another reason for this in my thinking. If I had walked off the set then without the dog being filmed, she could have made some excuse and changed the dog put another dog in its place. So I went on and started the filming. So to get the dog established in the film, then if she wanted to change dog for any reason, she'd have to reshoot everything. I knew what I was doing. I knew they needed the dog all day. And by the way, remember she wanted to do this all in half a day, but there were shots planned for the dog later on in the day. So she had lied again. So I gave her until lunchtime to pay me in full, including my fuel expenses. Sure enough, before they stopped for lunch, I was paid everything for both projects. Having done a good job for her on both occasions, I drove away feeling pleased with myself, but also a bit sad that I'd had to go to such levels to get what was fair. But then again, it was a learning curve for me and just another day in the office. Revenge is sweet. Here is today's animal joke. Today's joke comes from Hans, a film cameraman in Berlin. A man is out walking his dog through town. The owner is talking on the phone and the dog overhears the conversation about how owners look like their dogs. Now I agree the owner may not have been the most handsome guy, but hearing this the dog immediately threw himself under a passing bus. Don't forget to send me your favourite animal related joke and hopefully it can be part of a future podcast. It can be old or new, you can steal it or borrow it, Or you can make it up on your own, but please send it. I would love to hear it. I will send a special thank you present to the person whose joke is selected for use. If two or more jokes sent are the same, then unfortunately it will be the first person's joke to arrive that will get the present. Good luck. Thanks for joining me here today. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed today's little ditty. 
Why not visit the website and see for yourself some of the commercials, the photographs and the film clips of our work? The website is www.academic-animals.com Can I ask you to subscribe and press the like button? It's really appreciated. Thanks very much. Now it's official. You're my new best friend. Lots of love. Roger and out.